This is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again for another episode of Ghost Stories. The phone number is 855-853-4802. You can always write into us on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Comment on the forum section. So many ways to get your ghost story to us or uh, comment and share your thoughts on the stories that you hear on our broadcast every single day. If you're not in the EPP yet, please become one. That's what helps fuel this show and keep this show alive and kicking. It's just $5 a month. You get a bonus episode emailed to you every single week and a whole bunch of other extras throughout the year. And you get the satisfaction of knowing you actually are playing a big part in keeping this show going. Without our EPPs, uh, we could not continue to do the show as we are doing it. So if you already are one, thank you so much. If you've been thinking about it and you enjoy the show, think about throwing a little bit in the kitty to keep the show alive. That's the beauty of doing shows like this at this day and age is it's pretty much you know it's up to the listeners to keep them going you know it's not just like oh let's get a bunch of advertisers and the listeners hate the show but we have so many advertisers no if you like it you know it it fuels itself by people saying hey i like the show so i'm gonna you know, do this little bit and forego having an extra diet soda this month and uh, there we go shows fueled there you go. Everybody does their part, and it's uh, it's greatly appreciated. So, uh, 855-853-4802, our phone number. That also fuels the show, Ghost Stories. So if you have them, please feel free to call in or email us. So many ways to do it. I always say the phone number is kind of like the fast pass or the fast track to getting the, the story on the air. If you want one you want us to discuss uh, in the relative near future, call it in uh, on the toll-free uh, 855-853-4802 line. Uh, a little bit of feedback for us. Uh, fantastic show as per usual. This is about the show we did the other night. Uh, also glad to have become an EPP. The extra podcasts are brilliant. You read on my experience a few podcasts back. It was uh, to do with the ghost of Captain Morgan in South Wales. So thanks for that. It was surreal hearing the story out loud. It made me realize how bizarre the entire experience actually was. You mentioned in this show that The Conjuring 2 is going to be the Annabelle story. I did a search for you, and The Conjuring 2 you'll find on the IMDb page that shows it'll have to do with the Enfield Poltergeist, which is one of the most chilling cases I've ever read up on. The Annabelle story is a prequel. Keep up the great work. Well, in the... Uh, I guess, uh, canon of things, the Annabelle story actually was Conjuring 2. Okay. And there's a bunch of, uh, actually lawsuits involved, uh, involving producers and such of the original Conjuring, uh, for them just jumping out there with this Annabelle thing, uh, and using the Conjuring name and kind of like, hey, essentially trying to, to jump in on the success of the Conjuring for the Annabelle movie. Okay. Um, so... I don't know a whole lot about the legitimacy of the Enfield poltergeist thing being the next one. I hope it is. That would be really cool. But there's a lot on IMDb of movies that don't exist and never will exist, too. So you can't always take IMDb as being, you know, the truth. But I've been hearing a lot of rumblings about that lately. But the Annabelle storyline is supposedly a prequel. I guess. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I, I think what they're, the, the movie's... And this is just my guess. Uh, the production company's thoughts were, well, if we want to, you know, cash in really quick here, The Conjuring just came out. You got to get something out really quick before the uh, the population forgets about The Conjuring. So they need to get something else out there on that level really quick. So I'm hoping the Annabelle movie is going to be good. I don't know. 
from what I can see, it doesn't look to be too well based on the real story, um, whereas The Conjuring was pretty well onto that story. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm Before I, I cast all of my judgment and before I completely you know, rip it apart more than I already have, I'll just wait to see the movie. But. Okay, so the most important question on this topic that we will discuss of these two movies that are coming out this Halloween season, mm-hmm. Annabelle and Ouija, which one do you want to see the most? Probably Annabelle. You think so? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, Ouija looks interesting, but I don't think it's based on a true story, quote unquote. Um, I think that one's going to be more of the high school take your date to a scary movie movie. Like Final Destination. Yeah, stuff. I think that's kind of what that's going to be like. I want to see it at some point, but um, I uh, Annabelle's the one I want to go to. Okay. Will you go to it? Yes, well, I will. Yeah, okay, great. And we'll go to that haunted house later this week, and then we'll go to... Uh, I'm going to download. I'm going to download once it comes out. The because uh, I haven't seen it yet. Deliver us from evil. When that comes out, that was the one about the cop in New York that went to all those horrible situations. Uh-huh. And I almost have finished that book, um, which was a very good long book. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see that movie. Um, and that one's going to be because I never got a chance to see it in the theaters. But that one, like, I think it's released on uh, you know on demand, buying DVD, whatever. Uh, October twenty something. So. It all sounds like so much fun. I won't sleep for a month. But it'll, it'll be, be great. great. You'll, you'll just have no sleep leading up to the holidays. Sounds awesome. So, happy holidays. Um, another piece of feedback. Fantastic show. Oh, that's what I just read. <laughs> I just like to say fantastic show over and over. It makes me feel special inside. Um, it says, uh, anyone else hear the EVP? Uh, this is on a former episode because this is interesting. I've been hearing getting a lot of these the last couple of days. Um, people thinking they're hearing some more EVPs in our show. Um, and I can very quickly debunk these ones. Is it your unfortunately. chair? No, it's not my chair. I've been waiting for that one, but I've never gotten that. Your chair is so squeaky. No, but you know when I'm done reading a story, uh huh, I will usually say the name of the author, and sometimes I say the author's name kind of quietly, almost off mic, and then you chime in. Yeah. Um, they've been thinking that when I'm saying the name of the author that it's an EVP. There was one the other day where it was like blah 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 story. Everyone died and clowns ate their bodies. Christian. You talked, and the name was Christian on one of them. Okay. So they're like, did you hear that? Was that an EVP? <laughs> Kudos for paying really close attention, but it's just me saying the name of the the author of some of the stories. Okay, there's been a couple, not just that one. So, well, you, I'm, I'm used to you doing that. You do kind of sure. just slow it down and taper it off. That's kind of my cue that you're done reading. Yeah. So that's really all that was. I just thought it was interesting. There were several. Um, Thoughts on on different takes of me saying different names as being possible EVPs. I'm sure we'll get more EVPs on this show. I can't say we've never had one yet. It's been none of us just talking back and forth where we're getting an EVP. At least in my opinion, there hasn't been. But there's been uh, on some calls where they've appeared. Well, and if we ever get around to doing a show not here in our studio, but like out someplace. Sure. Then we might have more with that. Yeah, or if you give me that Dybbuk box for Christmas. No. And we can put it up here on the shelf and play with it before we ever eat. I'm kidding. At the flea market today, that's all I was looking for. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see anything that was... No. There was an old crib that seemed kind of creepy. Yeah. In there. Um, but uh, there was no... There's something about cribs that I find very... I don't know. I don't know why. The old ones. Did they disturb you at all? Are they creepy to you? 
some of like, them like are. the metal ones the yeah. ones that kind of look institutional yeah those are the ones that kind of like yeah grim jim uh, writes in on the forum i read a book where they talk about heavily haunted abandoned zoos it seems to me both emotionally and logically the animals tend to haunt for much of the same reasons as human spirits, places, people they loved, miserable existences of pain and torture, and isolation. Zoos especially, the old ones, would seem to me to be the real catalyst for such a thing to happen. Animals caught, snapped into cages, and isolated and frightened are often ill-treated. Funny how it works. You possess love and hate, uh, or does love and hate possess you? Either way, it's the same for both us and our animal friends. I wonder if anyone has ever seen a ghost of a killer whale or dolphin's Lighting by. There's so, so much in this world, and especially the world beyond we don't, can't, won't understand. Given the nature of reality itself, it stands to reason that there's an entire supernatural community just beyond our senses, filled with demons, angels, ghost wolves, and cats. Planes, trains, and automobiles, and those we love who've passed before us. Just wow. I've never thought about a haunted zoo. That'd be creepy. I mean, can I just going through an abandoned zoo would be scary as hell. I have I have that bizarre fascination with the urban expl- exploration and especially places like like that, like public places. I don't so much care about factories; those are already kind of you know industrial looking to begin with. Abandoned shopping centers, abandoned zoos, abandoned amusement parks, abandoned anything where it was really once nice and pristine like abandoned hotels heavily visited areas heavily visited yeah okay that were, were very presentable to the public not necessarily an auto factory that's gone um so in detroit i'm more interested in going and checking out the abandoned hotels downtown versus going and checking out the abandoned auto plants okay um but an abandoned zoo would be really creepy you know, it would be just and I, the i could see the animals haunting because you know you have to develop a relationship between the zookeeper and the animal. Even in the older zoos where it was not, there was no attempt to make any kind of habitat, in yeah. quotes. It wasn't that, animal friendly originally. No, no. Basically where it was, you know, cages that they just walked by. I, You know, still the animals have to develop a relationship of some sort with mm-hmm. their caretaker. Sure. Whoever's bringing them food or you know, either loving them or hating them. So sure. that that I could see feeding into a haunting. What about a ghost uh, zoo uh, zookeeper? Hmm? That someone who has a really close relationship with the animals and how animals sometimes seem to sense paranormal activity more so than we do. I wonder how often they're seeing ghosts or, or a ghost zookeeper. I was at the Denver Zoo uh I don't know how long it was several years ago. Um, and a zookeeper had his head bitten off by a large cat. And I'm not making this up. Okay. The exhibit was closed at the time because of this. Um, so we couldn't go in there and, and see the, I don't remember what type of cat it was, but it was not a, a good thing. Um, and it didn't happen the day I was there. It was just, this recently happened. So I'm thinking when things like that happen, and of course, you know, it's like a Siegfried and Roy almost, you know, this is not, the cat was, you know, there's a reason for it. It wasn't, you know, necessarily malicious, but the cat, it's an animal. It's a wild animal. It did it for some reason. Um, you know, but still probably really did love his zookeeper if there was a good relationship there. And the zookeeper probably did really love his animals. So in death, 
would that, you know, do you think the spirit of the zookeeper could be still back there taking care of the animals? And I'm not saying the Denver Zoo per se. I'm just saying in general when those sort of things happen. I think absolutely. And I think even beyond that, anybody that's in a caretaker role, whether it's of an animal or children or elderly people or even even like people that maintain and take care of buildings, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we've heard a lot about. Yeah. Um, Ghost janitors. Yes. You get that a lot. Yes. In fact, on our walking tour, there was two that they talked about in two different buildings. Yeah, you're right. So. I think anybody that is a caretaker is going to develop some sort of relationship, like I said, with either the animal, the Mm -hmm. building, or, you know, you get to where you feel a sense of pride, a sense of, you know, affection towards whatever it is. And I could easily see that being where the spirit goes back to take care. It's interesting. It's like you're a caretaker in life and then a caretaker in death, if that's your role and what you kind of or tend to to go towards I guess maybe that increases your odds of being a ghost or your choice of becoming one if you get the choice I wouldn't say it increases your odd of becoming a ghost but if you really enjoyed what you did I think mm-hmm. you get to go back to do that because if you enjoyed what you did, chances sure. are you were very good at it, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories, or you can always write into us. William writes in, first and foremost, I know my story may seem simplistic in nature to some, but you have to understand uh, uh, anything, even small, that has a supernatural feel to it seems huge at the time it happens. The story begins this way. I and my nephew are smokers. And at the time this happened, which was about four years ago, my dad was still living. He didn't allow smoking in his home, so my nephew and I would smoke on the front porch. The home is a farmhouse about 100 years old and has a decent-sized barn in the back. The barn is creepy in its own right. Anyway, we went out for a smoke. We didn't bother turning on the front porch lights. We're Georgia boys who live in the country, and feel we've been outside at night so many times in our life we just don't need the light on we're smoking and talking enjoying the night air when i look at the road which is about 75 feet in front of us at the curve of the road to the left something catches my eye i saw what appeared to be a white and faintly glowing mist which was about six or so foot tall and roughly about one foot or so wide it moved ever so slightly from the left heading right The funny thing is, at first I thought I was seeing things. The kitchen light was making soft beams of light through the windows, so in my mind I thought, are my eyes playing tricks on me? Then I kept watching and realized it was moving and it wasn't the kitchen lights. I quietly asked my nephew if he saw the faintly glowing, misty form as I pointed. At first he didn't, then he finally said, yeah, I do. What is it? Both in amazement and fright, we watched it slowly creep along the side of the road, and to our surprise, it started up a small dirt bank, never losing an inch of its six-foot height. It climbed the bank and slowly moved into the woods. Slowly, it just faded away as if we were never there. I know some things make some people give up drinking. That almost made me give up smoking. Thank you, sincerely, William and Travis. To me, I just... I imagine that that is somebody that used to walk that same path all the time and just ride up into the woods, knew exactly where it was going. I could see that. Yeah. And it was just going on its normal thing, and it's, uh, 
It's interesting. The the image I had in my mind was of that security camera video that came out this last week and was it New Mexico? Yeah. Where it was just such a I mean, it was an apparition of some sort, but it was just it, it was so human like. It wasn't like is that dust? No, you could clearly see it had two legs and it was doing its Going down some sort of path with yeah, intention. The normal motion of a walking human. Yeah, it's like you can tell when something has intent or not. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's intent just to simply walk from point A to point B, or if it's just kind of there. And that one had intent. This also sounded like it had some intent with what it was doing. Yeah. And it doesn't care who sees it. It's just there. Interesting. Very interesting. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. From Seattle again. Um, I was the one with the story about the little girl and her other mother in the preschool. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for playing my story. Um, it really brightened my grandpa's day. He made me play it for him, and he got a kick out of it. He really liked it. And um, so anyway, I wanted to tell you about some of my experiences in the haunted house I stayed in. It was only for about six months. I had moved to Colorado um, during high school, my freshman year of high school, and I was living with my mom and her boyfriend at the time, and uh, my first experience in the house was, um, (laughs) I was in the house, and it was a warm day. It was a warm, nice, sunny day, and my mom has three dogs and a cat, but they were all outside. I made sure they were all outside, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm watching TV, and out of nowhere this picture frame just fell off the um, end table and I had seen where it was it was right in the middle of the end table I know for sure I didn't bump into it my mom and her boyfriend were gone my little brother was with his dad so I figured I was only in the house for a couple of weeks um, at the time and then Things started happening a little bit more and more. Um, Another one that I had was I had gotten up early in the morning because my mother, she cleans houses, so she she had to do a really early cleaning, and she made me get up to see if I needed to either take the bus or if she would be home in time to take me to school the next day to school that morning. I'm sorry, I'm stuttering. Um, So I get up and I turn the kitchen light on and the way the house is set up is basically one long hallway. And in the front, there's the garage and the living room, then the kitchen, then the family room, then the bedrooms in the very back. And in our living room, there was an entire wall of windows and the kitchen light, you know, cast the reflection on the windows and it dark out so I go out and I look through the garage door and as I'm turning to look back because my mother wasn't there yet and I'm turning to look back there's this tall dark figure I'm about five two you know I'm not big and it must have been about half a foot taller than me and it just went from the garage door to the kitchen and I didn't know what to do because I had to walk the same path to get back to my bedroom. And I just stood there because I had seen the legs move. I saw the arms move. I saw the whole 
walking motion and it scared me so bad um there was another instance where my mom her boyfriend and one of his friends was over and it's about 12 o'clock at night and um we have the fire pit going and we have all the animals outside and my little brother is again with his dad and we had all the lights on in the house because where we were it would have been pitch black once the fire went out we lived in the middle of nowhere and um so i'm talking to lucas my mom's boyfriend's friend and i point to him he was going to sleep in the living room and i turned to look and where the windows were there was this i could see the head i could see the shoulders and it was looking and i didn't know what to do and that's where the call ends oh no so you have to call back and tell us the rest yeah well it sounds like there's something going on in that house you know i wonder how pictures are knocked over a lot by ghosts if that's because they don't like pictures of other people's <laughs> families in their their space because they view it as theirs and anything else and anyone else who comes in there is an, an intruder essentially yeah. i could see that i would do that yeah I would totally go knocking around people's pictures get out of my house I could see that. that. That makes a lot of sense. Very territorial ghosts, if you will. Yeah. I mean, that's how people would probably operate in life. Yeah. So. I mean, just like how I go around and pee on furniture, you know, sometimes to let... <laughs> 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 oh, wait. I kept blaming that on the dog. <laughs> we no longer have a dog, but the furniture still gets peed on. <laughs> really? It's a ghost dog. She must... I just, I'm going to mark my, so people know it's, the, what chair is mine or what couch is, you know. <laughs> no, I want, I mean, uh, I, I, I guess it's kind of, what? I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> I'm done. Peeing on furniture. That should be the title of the show. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I could see ghosts being fairly territorial. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder if that's happening. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, it, you know, and I, it's probably one of those times where I'm jumping to a conclusion thinking, oh, this is a demonic or mean ghost. Uh, maybe it's just a former resident that doesn't like people there and is going to try and appear as malevolent as possible to get those people to leave so they can have their residents back. If I didn't like the people that moved into my space and I'm a ghost... I would mess with them. See, I, I think I would enjoy, I would have to, I would understand that I'm not going to be back there on my level. So I, I would accept that and be like, well, people are going to be here whether I want them to be or not. But so I'm going to make the best of it and I'm just going to totally F with these people okay. for as long as I can. So I wouldn't want to go too far to where they're going to want to leave. But I, you know, I, I'd like a, maybe a steady flow of people or when I'm ready for them to leave and I'm ready for a new crop of, of owners, that's when you get really dark. I was about to say, cause you screw with people that are, al- and you're alive. You're definitely sure. going to screw with people when you're dead. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of start lightly and you just kind of knock some pictures over, you know, take the toys out of the cereal boxes. So the kids are disappointed. They're like, where's the toy? <laughs> <laughs> and now that is evil. Hide it in like really weird places. I would say you you were something dark if you did that. It's in mommy's nightstand next to the other toys. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. The kids like are constantly searching the house. 
<laughs> that would be hilarious as a ghost. And you just start uh, kind of little light things like that. And then eventually, um, then you start doing really bad things, you know, <laughs> like turning the burners on. <laughs> I have this all planned out. Okay. I can tell. I think we're going to haunt different places when we're dead. We can't haunt together. I'm not same? haunting with you if you're doing that shit. <sighs> Can we at least screw them a little bit? Just just a little. We'll see. We'll talk about it later. When we're dead. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we've established that. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. What? Nothing. I'm plotting and planning. Read a story. Ah, uh, Aaron writes in, when I was younger, maybe nine or ten, I'd ride my dirt bike across the road from my residence, accompanied by my uncle. This was almost my daily ritual. I would come home, do my homework, eat, and immediately leave from my uncle's residence, which was located only down the gravel road from mine. One day, I arrived, and he was nowhere to be found. Frustrated that I was not able to uh, cross the road, I asked permission from my parents. Without him, I went alone. Now, the whole reason my parents were weary of my going alone was because up the road across the highway lived a lot of people they didn't know. It was a good three miles up there, full of sharp curves, very thick vegetation. After you get off the county road... Now, let me describe the road, because I guess you could consider it an important factor. It was all dirt. As you got off the county road, someone had paid for it to have some very large gravel spread on this road, which made for a very uncomfortable yet fun ride. Now, this gravel made a very distinct sound when you drove over it, so I remember what it sounded like 11 years later. So back to the story. I decided to just drive through the dirt, through there, uh, on my dirt bike. I was going at least three times faster than normal because my uncle wasn't there to slow me down. I made my way to what was soon to be known as the Haunted Cabin. It was at the end of the road, where the road turned into trail, and then... It was forest service land. I got to the end of the road and then got slapped in the face with paranoia. I got spooked and turned around going as fast as my bike could go. I heard what sounded like the very distinct sound of horse hooves clopping on the road behind me. I knew people rode horses up through the trail, but this was fast and a horse couldn't stand that gravel at that speed. I turned around and to my worst fear, nothing. I was at this point in fear of my life, even though I had no idea why this had never occurred when my uncle was there. I turned back around, sped up some more. Then one last time, I turned around to look. I noticed about 50 yards away, leaves were being thrown up as if something was coming right up the middle of the road. The sound of hooves did not stop until I got to the first house right before the county road started. I held the throttle all the way down, all the way home. Even though I knew I'd get chewed out, I told my parents. That's when they told me that a Confederate soldier had been caught committing treason to the cause and selling them out. They then gouged his eyes out and tied him to a tree to starve. Now, I thought that maybe they told me this to scare me from going up there alone. But see, my dad never was one to believe in ghosts. Still, to this day, he claims he never had seen or heard anything up there. I soon proved that there was something up there on many accounts. By the way, I live in Georgia to give more background of the Civil War story. You guys have a great show. I work 10 hours a day. You become my main podcast. I always look forward to it and have been uh, known to give all podcasts another listen to fill my 10 hours. So I really, really appreciate the hard work you guys put into it. Thanks, Aaron. 
Okay, so what if the ghost in the first story and the ghost in the second story are the same ghost? Because they're both in Georgia. I think the odds are pretty slim. <laughs> I know. I'm just throwing that out there. I just thought it was interesting. It's not that. Rhode Island. <laughs> no, but we got two two Georgia stories back to back. Sure. Yeah. So. No, that's really interesting, you know, that uh, the hooves. Yeah. So if you're the ghost guy, if you're the ghost soldier, uh-huh. to get your ghost horse back too, you know, or is this just the ghost horse and nothing to do with the dead guy? I don't know. Maybe it's the person that gouged the eyes out and tied the other guy to the tree, riding away. That would be an interesting thing to have to replay for your eternity of existence. That could be like your punishment. That could be at your own hell. Like you gouge some guy's eyes out and then they're like, oh, well, sorry. Well, your uh, damnation is to relive those fine moments forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, because that'd probably be one of the worst things to experience, even if you are doing that. Yeah, I mean, even if you're doing it, you know, for justifiable reasons or whatever you viewed it as at the time, you know, I, uh, I could see that. Yeah, disturb. Nonetheless, lots of negative energy. Oh yeah, that flew through that area at one point in time. Oh yeah, whether it's the guy's ghost or not, or just you know the theory of the energy being able to repeat itself over and over and over, that does make sense. So there you go, eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number. Hi Tony, this is Anne in St. Paul, Minnesota again. I wanted to comment on your plague of frogs story. <clears throat> I used to live in East Cottage Grove, which is the original town of Cottage Grove, Minnesota. And it's about a mile um, south of the town that they, you know, call Cottage, what they call Cottage Grove now. And it's just a one street town, really. Um, and But behind the main street, behind the houses that are along the main street, behind there, there's a big ravine and a pond down there. But every year, same time of year, thousands of little tiny frogs would make their way to that pond. So me and my kids would not be able to leave our house for days waiting for these little frogs. There were thousands of them. I think if you go back to wherever you saw those frogs and realize they were all probably going in one direction and maybe it was towards a pond, I would check that out. It's something to look at. might explain what happened to you. Um, but it, uh, I've seen it as a natural occurrence every year when I live there. So just want to let you know that. Thanks. Bye. I get what she's saying. And I get if you're in a pond or near a pond or in a marsh. Um, but I think it would be unsettling to come across that in your office building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not normally that they're they're going to make a stop in the basement of a radio station on their journey, you know. I think it would be, it's kind of along the lines of having, you know, 400 salmon just, you know, <laughs> flopping around in the basement of the radio station. Like, what the hell? You know, it's, you know, I get, you know, flop, they're a little more mobile, but still. And I get what she's saying, but there's no body of water anywhere near the radio station. No, I mean, the only thing it was, the reason that I think they occurred had something to do with that there, there was a lot of flooding going on in the area at the time. Okay. So there was, that did have something to do with it, but the sheer number that showed up in that basement without having like an incubation pond for them to be growing in. Anywhere near. Yeah. I mean, there's some puddles here and there, but it's usually those dry up pretty quick. 
there is no body of water right there for that to happen. It'd be one thing if there was like a pond out back and okay, they got in when the water moved. Okay, it makes sense. This, not so much. Yeah, that would be very freaky. It would be more freaky though having like 400 salmon <laughs> trying to swim upstream on 20-year-old carpet in the basement of the radio station. Yeah, and you better hope you get all this salmon out or that's going to smell. Or you can make a really good barbecue out of that. You can take them out back and feed the whole station. Put them in the vending machine. <laughs> Dried fish in a vending machine. There's an idea. Huh? Hmm? 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Angie writes in, My husband, I, and our five-year-old son were living with my grandmother as we were going through some financial trouble. She was around so it was a win-win situation for all to give everyone room in her tiny three-bedroom house my husband and i had run one room where we set up a mock living room and bedroom by using a futon our five-year-old was in the other our room was diagonal from my grandmother's room and i could clearly see into it while watching tv one day in the afternoon i was adamant about getting all of our laundry done My grandmother and my son were in the main living room watching Halloween Town, a show they both loved, while I sat busily on the futon in our room, folding white clothes. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw him, a small boy with dark hair parted on the left. His hair was thick and black, and he appeared to be about seven years old. I remember distinctly he was wearing lederhosen and dark shoes. He wasn't solid, but not translucent. It was the first time I'd seen him, yet it wasn't the first time I'd been visited by the spirit world. Tension was high that day between all of us adults. I had an unknown dread and a sense of doom. Most of all, laundry needed to be done and everything in place. Then the call came. As the phone rang at exactly 11.58 p.m., with all of us still awake except for my son, I picked up the phone and said, "'What's wrong, Mama?' My dad was in the hospital on the verge of death. We were told to come, time is short. My father had a baseball-sized tumor in his brain and the swelling was so severe that he was on death's door. We made the 12-hour ride from northeast Alabama to Oklahoma City in less than 11 hours. We were lucky, and so was my dad. The doctors were able to reduce the pressure and swelling to grant us all with five more months of precious time with dad. Unsure to this day, 12 years later, as to whom the little German boy was, though I still wonder. I might add, my dad was born in Germany and lived there until he was eight. My gut, however, tells me it wasn't him. I have more to tell, but this was the fullest apparition I have ever seen. Love your show. I enjoy it while I get ready for work or take a long bath. I even re-listen while walking and working out. I wonder if... It had something to do with the dad being so close to death at the time she saw it. Even though he didn't die, he's just right there on the verge of, of passing. I mean, he he died later, but... Sure. Maybe it was one of his childhood friends in Lederhosen coming back and getting him ready. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, you think of that because, I mean, what is... You got to narrow it down. What's the connection here to the little German boy? Yeah. Distinctly, a little German boy. Um, okay, the dad. He was he was from Germany. Okay, that's your only connection in the area. That seems to make sense. And if he's near death, that does make sense. I mean, you hear a lot of stories about people where they say that their, their other loved ones who have also passed on 
tend to start showing up and getting ready for the party right before death happens or close to. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I know she said she doesn't think it was her dad, but I could say without a doubt, if my dad were to come back as a ghost, and my dad's not gone, I'm not saying that, but if he were to come back as a ghost of him as a young boy, what he looked like then, I don't think I'd recognize him because I've seen so few pictures of my dad as a little boy, you know, I would have no clue. Sure. I think that's that's kind of the, the case with a lot of our parents, if you will. You know, you look at me like, who is that? Yeah, yeah, they look so different than what you've always known them to look like. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's especially too like when you're in your early twenties or something. I like at least for me, I was like, oh, this is probably how I look. No, yeah. By ten years later, I was like, you know, completely different looking, no hair. Yeah, it, but distinctly different, you know. Right. You know, it's it's interesting how that works. My dad, I know he. I mean, he had very red hair and mm-hmm. you know freckles and everything. I mean, I I remember looking at those pictures of my dad, and he was a teenager, like going, "Who is that?" You know, very hard to tell. My mom, I can kind of tell, but she had like kind of the long hair though back then. The whole time I've ever known, I mean, facially she looked pretty much the same, but the long hair was was like, "What's going on?" It's your, not the mom haircut. Your mom, it, it floors me. It doesn't matter what year the picture is. Your mom, the face, she looks exactly the same as she did in pictures when you were a little kid, and mm-hmm. she does now. I don't know what she does, but I want to do whatever she does. Lots of oil of oil. I think that was her... Uh, <laughs> It was always like the go-to gift. It's like, what should I get mom for her birthday? What should I get mom for Mother's Day? What should I... It's like oil of oil. That or like the Clinique gift box or something was like what I remember getting my mom. That's funny. For many a years growing up. And then one year I think I bought like her some cassette tapes of music that I actually wanted, but I thought I could pass it off as a gift to her and copy them. And uh, How'd that work? Really well. I got the music I wanted. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those things that, you know... I have to look at as going, I did this. So when our children do the same thing back to me someday and try to pass it off, I can't get too upset. I have to be like, yep, I did the same asshole move to once. <clears throat> so, you know, it all comes back around. There's many times I remember my mom saying to me, I hope I hope your kids, you know, do this to you so you understand what it's <laughs> for like. I don't remember like a specific incident, but I remember having that sentence said to me several times over. I have a feeling whatever it was will happen. Yeah, it's guaranteed. Uh, Alex writes in, hey, Tony, before I start, I just wanted to say that I love your show. I've al- it always manages to uh, keep me alert and frightened while I drive my paper route throughout the night. I also wanted to say having your wife on the show has been a lovely addition. I really appreciate the conversations you all have with each other after each story. Anyways, back to my story. My father, being one of nine brothers who all live very close to each other, would get together with his brothers once a month for poker night. I always enjoyed these nights because each of my uncles would always bring their sons, my cousins, uh, who were around the same age as I, so we could play. We'd always meet at my uncle's house, which was in the older part of the suburbs in Austin, Texas. One night, my cousins and I convinced our uncle to let us stay the night and have a sleepover after poker night was over. After everyone else left, my uncle helped all of us set up sleeping bags on the floor so we could sleep. After he left, like kids do, we stayed up for a while after, talking and joking and laughing until, strangely, we all went silent. In that moment, we heard my cousin's closet door slowly creak open 
and we all turned our heads to see the door slowly move and then just stop. After that, we all just peered at the door for what seemed like days until slowly what looked like a red hand come out from behind the door and grab it. It wasn't a claw or anything, but it looked like a hand that had been stained red. My cousins and I all screamed and jolted out of the bedroom. We were all so scared of what had happened that we had our uncle call our parents to take us home. Sad part is that that's not the only thing that happened to us while we visited my cousin while he lived in that house. I know this may seem suspicious, and I myself have tried to do research on it, but have found very little on it. But I swear, we all saw it that night. Anyways, if you'd like to hear more about my or our experiences in that house, I have much more, and they escalate a lot more from that. Just let me know. Sorry for being so long, but thank you for taking the time to read all of it, Alex. Alex, I think we do need to hear the other stories to get a real feel of what might have been going on. I think the red scary hand, I mean, my immediate thought was like a bloody hand, but sure, it's hard to know, and I want to hear the other stuff that's going on anyway. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to to get a better judgment, if you will, or, or idea on what's going on in that house. It's, it's very hard to tell based on that story, but obviously something paranormal, to well, say the least. and it sounds like a whole group of them saw it. Yeah. So please do write in and and, uh, and share more. The phone number again, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. That's the fastest way to get your show uh, or our, your your letter on our show. There you go. How you like that? Not your show on our letter. Your show on our letter. But and it's not just the fastest. I, I separated the two syllables there as well. Okay. It's allergy season, and I'm choking over here, and I can <laughs> feel like I'm about to sneeze when I'm about when I'm reading the letter. So I'm like sitting here rubbing my sinuses and trying to swallow as much as I can so I don't start coughing midway through a story. Gosh, I love this time of year. <laughs> it is my favorite time of year. It is though. my favorite time of year, but it's a time of year where I have to get highly medicated <laughs> to, <laughs> to function. That makes me think of Portlandia. In the summer, we just go down to two antidepressants. Exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I do love this time of year. I got to get that. Uh, there was something I used last year for coughing. The doctor was it Zarbies or something? Oh or? yeah, it's that. It's like a tea. You dissolve yeah. it in water. This is not an endorsement for their product or anything of that nature, but it, it worked really well. Oh, yeah. It's like every year I find some sort of new thing in the drug aisle. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Mucinex was the thing one year, and I still <laughs> love it, but it, I, I don't think it works quite as well as it used to for whatever reason. But uh, I remember that. I was like, oh, my gosh, it was the most amazing thing. I could sleep and not cough all night, but... Anywho, continuing on with ghost stories, and less about the mucus in my head. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the number. Uh, Here's a letter. Hey, Tony and Jenny, my story is in response to an earlier episode regarding a haunted bunk bed. Is that what we talked about, the one in Horicon, or is this a different one? No, we talked about the one in Horicon. Okay. My story goes back to when I was a child, about three or four. A little fact about me, I'm the youngest of five with two older brothers and two older sisters. Of course, me being the smallest... I had a small bed with a pull-up mattress under it due to me falling off a bed all the time. My sisters, however, had a bunk bed. My oldest sister slept on the top bunk, and my second older sister slept on the bottom bunk. I remember one night when my sister, sleeping on the bottom bunk, woke up screaming and in tears, telling my dad she had a dream with the devil. 
My dad, being the religious man that he is, told my sister it was just a bad dream and to say a prayer. It took my sister some time to calm down, but she did, and eventually fall back asleep. The very next morning, she told my dad all about her dream again. He had just dismissed it as her seeing something on TV and dreaming about it. I think that he was mainly thinking it was just her imagination, as kids tend to have an overactive imagination. It wasn't until about two months later when it happened again. Once again, my father dismissed it. I, of course, was terrified after seeing and hearing my sister wake up like that. One night, I decided to sleep with her because I just felt so bad. It was a huge mistake, although I didn't know it yet. On the night that I slept with her, I too had a bad dream, one of the worst that I could ever imagine. I remember being in a very dark place and knowing that I couldn't escape. It was almost like a horror movie. When you try to wake up, but you can't. I remember seeing dark shadows in my dream and trying to run, but not getting anywhere. It was horrible. I woke up shaking and crying. I told my dad that I had a nightmare. He said everything was fine and assumed I was just uh, imitating my older sister, as the younger sisters tend to do. I wasn't imitating her. I didn't want to sleep with her ever again. Some months went by and my sister woke up like that again due to my parents' disbelief she didn't really want to tell them. Then more time went by. Years. It wasn't until my sisters got older my parents bought them new beds. There was an alley in the back of our house. My dad put the mattresses out there. Us being the kids that we were went outside and started jumping on the mattresses. My older brothers thought they were so strong, so they picked up the mattresses and tried to throw them at each other. Of course, that wasn't hard for them because they were small child mattresses. We continued playing on them until my dad came outside and yelled at us to go inside before we hurt ourselves. As we all ran inside, something caught his eye. He walked over to one of the mattresses and noticed that we tore the bottom of it. He got closer to see and saw that on the wooden boards of the mattress was some type of writing. He pulled the dust cover back and some more and realized that the writing wasn't something he understood. It was some sort of satanic encryptions and pentacles. That's when he walked away, scared and confused because he purchased the bunk beds brand new. He felt extremely guilty about not believing my sister. It wasn't until a few years ago that my father shared this part of the story with me. I knew everything that happened before, but this part happens to answer everything my sister experienced. I don't believe he ever told my sister in fear that it will bring back bad memories. That's my story. Hope it helped answer your question. Keep up the good work. Love your wife being a co-host. Well, thank you for that. Um, it makes you wonder if the one in Horicon uh-huh. had anything on it. It does. It makes you wonder if there was some sort of fucked up thing going out at a mattress company or at a uh, bunk bed company. Could be. Because that was a new, from what I remember on the Unsolved Mysteries episode in 88, uh, was that there was a brand new wooden bunk bed and it was these sort of things. It, were ha- it was the kids were having nightmares. Um, eventually, it got worse and worse in, in the house, and the father actually saw what appeared to be like the garage on fire. And um, I think an uncle or somebody slept in the, the room with the kids one night, or the dad did, or somebody, um, to see what the hell was going on and why they were freaking out. And he also saw something and freaked out. They got rid of the bunk bed. Everything was peaceful. Yeah, it makes you wonder if maybe under that, you know, that covering on the uh, box, there was something there. Yeah. 
especially being a new mattress, if there really was something going on somewhere in some factory at some point in time, somebody doing that. I wonder how many other mattresses went out like that. Assignment America. (laughs) (laughs) If you had any sort of paranormal experiences surrounding your bunk beds as a child, we want to know. And seriously, we do. Um, That would be really interesting. uh, It'd be interesting to hear from that person who wrote us that letter what uh, about what time that happened, like what years were they experiencing those things? Because I'm going to guess on that Unsolved Mystery episode that probably was early 80s, late 70s. That um, it happened? That it happened. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere probably between the years of 75 to 85-ish, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. and that might be this the time range, possibly. Yeah. So do write in and, and share more of that, because that's interesting. That's one of the interesting things of the show. You get these people that, you know, they're telling their story, and it comes in from different parts of the country, and it almost, I think we may have solved an unsolved mystery. Do you think? Can we call that phone number? No. You know where they have the operator standing by, and then Robert Stack walks through in a trench coat, as if it were like... You know, in the middle of London in the fog, but he's in an operator bay. (laughs) (laughs) And now we'll follow up. And then, like, the operator kind of turns, tells the story, and then it goes into the thing. You know, I would be interested to see time frame, general area of where that might have come from. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing. And if anyone else remembers that Unsolved Mysteries episode, let us know, too, because I always get a kick out of that. I love those old shows. <laughs> uh, David writes in Love the Show. It makes me realize that my family isn't the only ones that believe in ghosts. Still, I'm leery of telling my story, not because it's scary, but because of disbelief from all that hear it, especially close friends that I've told this story to. Well, David, you found a place where we're going to believe you, so don't worry. Here we go. I've gotten to the point that I just don't talk about it. About 10 years back, I was visiting a friend in a town in Ohio. There was an old, large school that was due to be torn down. It just said to me, come in. My friend was able to get keys so we could do some urban exploring. Inside, all the desks, chairs, and lockers had all been removed, but there was plenty of trash on the floor. I noticed that even though there was no breeze in the school, we had a balled-up piece of paper following us as if it was being blown. It was weird, but not really scary. That night, I had my first dream of her. It was a young girl, about seven years old, who said she was lonely and if she could live with me. It was just a dream, so I thought. So I said, sure. My life was never the same again. I was dating a girl, Janine, at the time. Our relationship was rocky at best. I think we were just too used to being together that we just couldn't end it despite the arguments. Well, Sarah, the youngest ghost, as I called her, didn't like her. Janine started to be wakened up at night by covers being pulled off, hearing a little girl's voice when alone in the house, and so many things I can't recall them all. The final straw was when she was putting on her makeup in the bathroom. She leaned out the door to tell me something, and when she looked back in the mirror, there was a uh, frowning face on the mirror drawn with her lipstick. She wound up leaving that night to get away from the torment. At this point, I was wondering if I had some demon instead of a girl. Here is where Sarah changed. A woman moved in down the hall. Now, having just gotten out of a bad relationship, the last thing I wanted was to get into another one. And the fact that I thought I might have a demon in my apartment didn't help. Well, one day, the woman 
had knocked on my door with a tray of cookies. Turns out that she had met my daughter, and she had told Barb, the neighbor, how much she liked cookies. I explained that it was just me in the house, and I knew of no girl in the complex. When Barb described her, it was exactly how I saw Sarah in my dreams. Somehow, Barb and I hit it off. Nothing that happened uh, to Jeannie seemed to happen to Barb. Sarah came to me in my dream that night and said how much she liked Barb and would like her as a mother. It was a month later when I saw Sarah while awake for the first time. I was really sick. I woke up with a small hand holding my hand. I looked up and saw Sarah. She told me I was sick and needed nursing, then vanished. A few minutes later, I heard the front door open and Barb came in the room. Barb told me that the little girl knocked on her door and told her that I needed her. Then the little girl vanished in front of her eyes. I asked how she'd gotten in. I always locked the door and hadn't given Barb a key yet. But when she tried the door, it was unlocked. Barb was able to nurse me back to health by making sure I ate and drank plenty of water. Kept wondering when she was going to ask about Sarah, but it wasn't until I was back to health and I paid her back by taking her to an expensive dinner that the question came. I told her the whole story. I was sure it would be our last dinner, but it didn't seem to bother her. I proposed a few months later, and we married the following year. We didn't see her, but we both felt Sarah was at the wedding. Not much happened the next few years until we had our first child, Roy. We would hear Roy laughing in the crib and Sarah voice talking. Sarah would wake Barb or me up whenever there was a problem with Roy. When Roy got a little older, he even drew a picture of our family with Sarah as his older sister. I have told the story to friends and workmates, and most think I'm making it up. Now, the fact is, we really don't see Sarah very often. Someone in the family does see her about four times a year, and it's when she wants us to know something. We usually just feel her hand in a comforting way, or she shows up in our dreams. Only once was she seen by all three of us at the same time. About three months ago, we saw her when we came home. Sarah was smiling in the living room, then faded away. Two days later, Barb found out that she was pregnant. I think Sarah knew, but my friends didn't buy it. I really don't care what they think anymore, and Sarah doesn't perform for them when they come over. Barb and I know we have two children with one on the way, and we're grateful that our adopted daughter is watching over us all. By the way, Sarah never talks about life after death or answers any questions. She only tells you what she wants you to know. Jeannie's life never got better. She would be asked out on a date, but we're never with this, uh, but we're never with them more than a couple of months. Dave. I love that story. That's good. I really, really like that one a lot. That's kind of one of those where you can bring up that case to folks who are like, everything is, you know, dark and demonic and there's never a good ghost. Like, and it's, you know, a lot of times it's rare to have a ghost that sticks around that clear to people. Uh huh. Um, and, and doesn't somehow go dark at some point in time. Um, or just disappear altogether. Right. You know, that that's interesting. I mean, it almost, you know, it's, it's probably my guess would be 
a little girl who died there or, you know, nearby or something, and she, you know, wants to help out and is still essentially being a little seven-year-old girl, you know, to the family that she's kind of adopted in the afterlife. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, the behavior that she exhibited towards Jeannie, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it sounded really bad at first, you know, with drawing on the mirrors and kind of tormenting her, but... That's kind of how little girls are when they don't like sure. somebody like that, you know? And so it, I'm glad that it made a turn, f- or her behavior made a turn for the good. And I really think that that's such a unique story that brought them together, him and his wife. And mm-hmm. and that they they have that third child who will always be that child. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, mean, we really, I wonder if he's ever looked into any history or anything though to try and track down who that girl is yeah or 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 if you know i I could see just kind of leaving it as is though and not necessarily doing that just going on but i i think my curiosity would get the best of me i'd want to look into that not to get rid of her or anything but just to see what was her past you know what you know why is she there if you can track it down would it change how you would feel about her? Say you were David. Mm-hmm. Would that change your feelings towards her as if you found out all of her history and and what her life was like when she was alive? No, I don't think so. I think if anything, I would probably end up like trying to like get toys or something from that era for her. Oh, that's so sweet. You know, and put them out <laughs> and be like, hey, you know, because if you're thinking like, oh, this is what she would like or understand. Yeah. You know, she probably wouldn't want an iPhone. You know, she'd probably want, you know, whatever it would be from that era, you know, right. and try and make the environment as comfortable for her, you know, as possible. You know, I think that would be kind of, I think probably the route I would take. I think it's such a shame that his friends don't believe that story because that yeah. is such a wonderful story. Well, why would you make it up? You wouldn't. I mean, because the thing is, people are going to think you're crazy. You, you know you're going into that, assuming people are going to think you're crazy. People don't tell ghost stories because they want people to think they're crazy. They tell them because they happen to them and they don't right. know what the hell's going on. Right. You know, that's the whole reason, you know. Well, and I think that's such a unique experience, you know, yeah. that here this little girl picked him and has become yeah. a part of the family. Yeah. It's a very, I, very cool story. Yeah, I just love it. I'd love it if he, if he, if he could uh, call back in or write back in with an update and just, just let us know if you'd ever research on that or find anything more out about her past. I'd really, really like to hear that. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you want to share your real ghost story with us, you, of course, can always write into the website as well at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you like the show, you listen frequently, consider uh, helping support it and allowing us to continue doing this show. Become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We give you an extra podcast every single week. Email that direct to you. It's only five bucks a month. Or you can do 10 or 15 a month, whatever you feel the show is worth to you. That's what I say. Everybody uh, in the EPP group gets the same stuff, but uh, your generosity is really what uh, what we appreciate the most because you are allowing us to continue to do this show. So please consider doing that if you've not done so already. You can do it to the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. So for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.